What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. If you sign up for the Lights Out Dining Experience, you better know what you're getting into. Written by Beardify. For dinner last night, I had a bowl of fresh-from-the-box mac and cheese, a supermarket bag salad, 20% off, and an off-brand light beer. I enjoyed this gourmet feast on a tray in front of the TV, because Terminator 2 was on. I tell you this so that you will understand that I am not, in any sense, a part of the high-end food world. My fiancé, on the other hand, was. Rosalie self-identified as a foodie, and slept with a copy of Salt, Fat, Acid, Heat on her nightstand. She was constantly scouring local markets for the freshest ingredients and newest combinations. She didn't mind ingredient lists a mile long, or dishes that took time to make. Cooking was her zen and the kitchen was her temple. That meant, of course, that we also had to make big trips to the hottest restaurants. I didn't share my Rosalie's passion for food, but we shared just about everything else. Different as we were, we were both willing to learn and grow together. I never had that with anyone else, and I wonder if I ever will again. You see, my fiancé... Rosalie died a few months ago. I was a mess for weeks after. I soon realized that I needed to say goodbye to Rosalie in a way that a closed casket and a few hollow words hadn't provided. I decided to try an experience that had been Rosalie's last obsession. That was eating at a dark restaurant. If you don't know... The concept of a dark restaurant is that by depriving the diner of their sight, they are able to focus more fully on their sense of taste. Some say it's gimmicky. Some say it's science. I just thought it might be a way to find closure and move on with my life. The only dark restaurants that I could find were hundreds of miles from the mid-sized city where I lived. Not only that, but a lot of them looked incredibly expensive and pretentious as well. If there's one thing I learned visiting taco trucks with Rosalie, it was that price was no guarantee of quality. Not only that, but often restaurants that focused most on appearances cut corners in other areas, like treatment of staff, for instance, and stressed, underpaid workers often cut corners themselves just to get through the day. Rosalie used to say that some places were so toxic, you could feel it as soon as you walked through the door. Taking care of Rosalie's old belongings were hard. I sorted through her stuff a little at a time, partly to lose myself in the memories, partly because I didn't have the stomach for much more. I knew that once I sealed up that last cardboard box, 
she'd really, truly be gone. I was going through her nightstand drawers when I found it. An ad for a mobile dark restaurant called The Lights Out Experience. Based on its tour dates, The Lights Out Experience would be coming through my town in just a few days. I scrambled to call the number on the leaflet and make a reservation. An automated voice walked me through the steps as I used my phone's keypad to punch in the date and time I wanted to visit Lights Out. It was annoying, but as something of an introvert, I think I actually prefer a machine rather than a person. I scrambled to find a pin when the automated voice read off the address where my Lights Out experience would be. I had to press 1 to repeat the message several times before I was sure I had gotten it right. It was strange that Lights Out didn't have an email service, website, or even Yelp. They didn't have an Instagram either. But then again, what would they post? Little black photos of complete darkness? My suspicions deepened when I saw the address. An empty factory in a mostly abandoned industrial part of town. I wondered if it was all a scam. And if it was, at least they didn't have any of my important information. I figured I'd go anyway. If it was all a practical joke, fine. Lesson learned. At least I'd have a chance to get dressed up and drive to an evening meal with the window down. Listening to some chill beats like the way we used to do. There's something so gloomy about that whole side of town. The dead grass and the fenced off lots. The rusted metal. The potholed streets. I was starting to be glad that I'd be eating in the dark. Instead of having a view of the place. But when I pulled up to the address of Lights Out, my jaw dropped. They'd literally rolled out a red carpet for guests, lined with brass poles and velvet ropes. Glittering lamps strung overhead illuminated our path in the gathering dusk. There was an ornate facade in front of the old factory door that reminded me of what the circuses uses for fun houses and arcades. The big flowing letters pronounced the lights out experience. So far, the only thing dark about the whole thing was the doorway, which was as black as a toothless open mouth. I'm not sure why that was the image that came to mind, but I shivered a little as I walked toward it. I calmed down a bit when I saw that I wasn't the only customer arriving. Cars that cost more than my whole life and shining black limousines discharged men in tuxedos and women in evening gowns into the sumptuous red carpet. A few cars diverted to a hidden garage-like structure that I figured was for clients, even more VIP than the crowd unloading in front of me. I suddenly realized that at no point had I seen a price for lights out. At worst, I just had to order the cheapest thing on the menu and hope they took MasterCard. My fellow diners didn't just enter lights out altogether. 
they formed an orderly line outside before stepping one group at a time into the darkness. The facade looked a lot different up close. What had looked like a quaint painting of happy Victorian banqueters now seemed fantastic, even sinister. A ghostly woman catching her tears in a wine glass that shone with a silver glow. A man wearing skull face paint and a top hat feasting on a plate full of human eyes. A hooded figure grabbing a faraway appetizer with abnormally long gnarled arms. Even more strangely, every figure that wasn't monstrous was blindfolded. If anyone tried to cover my eyes with something, I decided I'd be out of there. Goodbyes be damned. When it was my turn to cross the threshold, I hesitated. The air in there was much colder, and the cross breeze seemed to be pulling me in. People behind me started murmuring, clearing throats, and making other polite signals for me to move in. In the end, my fear of social interaction overcame my fear of the unknown, and I stepped into Lights Out. I think I actually held my breath. Welcome to Lights Out. A suave female voice exclaimed. Name and reservation, please. I provided what I was asked for. How they checked anything in the absolute pitch black around us, I had no idea. I heard cackling high heels approach me. Hold out your hand, please. The voice requested. I felt like a fool, but I did as I was told. I held in a gasp when the anonymous woman placed one end of a silk rope in my palm. It was true. The absence of sight and sound heightened my other senses. I felt every fiber of the cord, and the unexpectedness of it all sent a delicious tingle up my spine. Now if you'll kindly hold on to the cord and watch your step, the voice added, I'll guide you to your table. The first thing I noticed was how vast the space was. Everything in the old factory must have been gutted. Felt like I was standing in a massive cave chamber, unable to know where the walls and the ceilings might be. You definitely seem to know your way around in the dark, I commented, the quiet only broken by the rustling of other guests, and my guide's shoes on the bare concrete was a little unnerving. The tables are in a grid pattern, always the same distance apart, so it's actually quite easy. My guide responded. And besides, I was born blind, so you could say I'm used to it. I'm sorry, I... Not to worry, sir. Here we are. I felt the sensual tug of the rope guide me into a plush chair. Simply hold out your hands to find your dining set. If you need to summon our staff, simply ring the bell in front of you. And, um... I ventured... How do I order? We offer a set menu, sir, so that won't be necessary. Enjoy your meal. The high hills faded into the distance. I suddenly felt very alone. 
couldn't see my hands in front of my face, but I soon ran them over the linen tablecloths, napkins, and silverware, a wine glass, and a water cup. To kill time, I tried to focus on the sounds of the other diners and imagine what they might look like. The person to my right must have really been a glutton because they were snuffling, snorting, and chomping just like a pig. It sounded like they had a whole deer carcass over there, an enormous quantity of food. Meanwhile, the people on my left were like robots. Their cups and silverware clinked so mechanically. Felt like I could set my watch by it. If I could see my watch, that is. For some reason, I imagined them as the Grim Reaper and his family of little Grim Reapers all out for Sunday dinner. It was a fight to hold back my laughter. Rosalie would have loved this. I heard the sound of pouring and plates being placed in front of me, followed by the tinkling of a tiny bell. Your first course, sir. The voice was male, so oily and soft and close to my ear that I jumped a little. I was never going to get used to this. Not sure what else to do, I reached out with my fork. The first course felt like some sort of bread dish. I cut a bit off and tried it. It melted in my mouth and I think I actually sighed out loud. It was French toast with custard and tropical fruits. It was heavenly. More than that, it was the last dish that Rosalie talked about making before the accident. What a perfect coincidence. Maybe somehow here, in this bizarre place surrounded by strangers in the dark, I could actually make peace with Rosalie's memory. I was reaching for another forkful of French toast when I felt a hand grasp my wrist. I nearly shrieked and tried to recoil. But those delicate fingers held fast. That touch felt familiar somehow, but very, very cold. Come on, aren't you going to save me a bite? It couldn't be. But whoever it was, the person across from me sounded exactly like my dead fiance. I swallowed, my throat was dry. I polished off all of the water in a single go, then reached for the wine. It was a fruity, flavorful Spanish wine called Grias del Paso, which I only knew about because Rosalie always had it in the house. It was her favorite. What the hell was going on? I, I think you're at the wrong table. Sorry about that, I stammered. Don't be silly, the voice like Rosalie snorted. There's no other place I'd rather be. Is this some kind of joke? I hissed, starting to get really angry now. Because if it is, it isn't funny. I mean, the French toast isn't that bad. But I think it needs more cinnamon, don't you? The voice like Rosalie asked. You can never add too much cinnamon. Well... I mean, unless you drop the spice jar into the cake. I grant in spite of myself. It was an inside joke Rosalie and I had. When she was making my mother's 60th birthday cake, 
The cinnamon container fell into the batter. She baked a whole cake without noticing, and my mother was treated to an odd, lumpy glass object in her birthday cake. If this person had anything to do with my Rosalie, they'd know about that story. They'd react. <laughs> that could have happened to anyone. My arm received a playful smack. And if she keeps bugging me about my short hair, next time it'll be Cayenne Pepper. It was impossible. We were talking as if no time at all had passed. As if it had never happened. If this was some kind of horrible prank, fine. I was going to believe for as long as I could. I licked every bit of cream and fruit from my fork as we discussed everything from the vacations we never got to take to our high school experiences. Even those questions that you never think to ask your partner until it's too late. Like, what was your favorite memory we had together? A tiny bell had rang. Second course, that oily male voice announced. I gotta go now, babe. Rosalie sighed. I'll see you in time. What? I gasped. Wait, no! I reached out wildly, but found only empty darkness. Hey! Rosalie! Hey! I stood blindly and started to wander away from my table until I noticed the heavy silence. Even in the dark, I could feel the eyes watching me. It felt like there were hundreds of them. Have a seat, please, sir. The voice ordered, and I tried to protest. Gnarly fingers as long as my arm pushed me back into the seated position. Nails dug into my skin. And please, enjoy the second course. A rich charred odor sizzled up from the plate in front of me, mixed with caramelized onions and the sour tank of beer. This time, I didn't even have to take a bite to recognize the meal. They say smell is the scent, with the closest ties to memory. I remembered this smell very well indeed. October 1990s. I was five or six years old on a camping trip with my father. It took us forever to set up the ancient, complicated tarp tent and get a fire going. And my stomach was rumbling from the time the steaks came out the cooler. Dad cooked them right on the fire, then made a sauce from the meat drippings, onions, black pepper, mustard, and a splash of beer. Unbeknownst to me, Dad had also buried some potatoes with garlic wrapped in tinfoil under the fire as a side. I burnt my tongue on everything, and it was glorious. It was also the last time my father cooked for me. The first heart attack came a few days later, and it was all downhill from there. I was too young to understand or remember most of it, but that last camping trip together still stands out in my mind. There might be some ashes in the potatoes, my father's voice said from across the table, but they should taste okay anyway. How is this happening? I whispered, flailing blindly again and feeling nothing. Well, uh, 
You just wrap the potatoes in foil and bury them around the fire. It's not that complicated. Are you okay, kiddo? No, I sobbed. No, I'm definitely am not. Dad listened for a solid 20 minutes while I explained everything that had gone wrong in my life. How lonely I'd been in high school. How I never really took advantage of my time in college. My regrets about choosing nursing as a career. How hard it was just to make ends meet. How bleak the future seemed. And Rosalie's accident. He was a good listener. He made a comment here or there, but mostly just gave me room to vent. When the words ran out, I dug into my steak and potatoes, wondering about the presence that waited patiently in the dark on the other side of the table. The bell sounded. This time, I didn't even get a chance to say goodbye. Be good, kiddo. You turned out all right. With that, my father, or whatever was across from me, stepped back into the absolute blackness and was gone. Dessert is served. My spoon touched the rim of an elegant glass dish. I wondered who my dining partner would be this time. After all, I wasn't close with anyone else who died. I could tell that other diners were also having conversations but they were always just a bit too faint to understand. Some definitely weren't in English, and others were sounds that I'm not sure you could call a language at all. I didn't want to speculate about what some of them might be eating or discussing. If I had a feeling that I could hear what was going on around me, I'd be too terrified to move. Hurry up, man, a slurred SoCal voice said from across the table. Or the ice cream's gonna melt. I was stumped. I had no idea who this person could be. Something about the tone felt vaguely familiar. But I couldn't quite put my finger on it. I dug into the ice cream to gain some time. It was the typical cheap, chocolate soft serve that you can get for 99 cents at a gas station within walking distance of my old university. University. That was it. My freshman year, I had a roommate from Southern California. We took a couple of night walks to that gas station for a 1 a.m. snack. Todd Wurlitzer? I ventured. The very same man. I could tell the figure on the side of the table was excited that I'd remembered. What are you doing here? I didn't mean to be rude, but I was dumbfounded and a little disappointed that an ex-roommate who I barely remembered was about to be my last interaction here in the otherworldly darkness of the Lights Out experience. I had so many more things I wanted to ask Rosalie, so many more stories I wanted to hear from my dad just one more time. Hey, yeah. I could almost imagine Todd scratching his neck, awkwardly like he used to do. It's uh, kind of complicated, man. The more Todd stalled, the more I felt my anger building. Now I remembered what Todd was like. The guy never took responsibility for anything. Not for cleaning his room, not for his schoolwork, not even for his own life. He'd been such a downer. And here I was, stuck with him again. What? I groaned. 
I, I guess I just want to say thanks. Todd sighed. Everybody always bailed on me, man. Ever since I was a little kid. Dad bailed for a job in Seattle. Mom stayed but got lost in the bottle. Which is just another way to bail, I guess. The friends I had in Cali were my only friends. Until somebody better came along. You were the only one who ever invited me someplace and meant it. I blinked. This definitely wasn't what I'd expected. Todd went on. Look, I get that we only hung a few times, but you were always real with me. I dropped out later, but you gave me this idea that you can go for a night walk with a stranger and they might really talk to you and they might even listen if you talk to them. And then you both could just chill and have an ice cream and look at the moon or whatever. It was, uh, my pleasure. I didn't know what to say. But now that I thought about it, I actually had kind of enjoyed those rambling, aimless walks with Todd too. It gave me hope. It kept me living. For a while at least. Well, I guess about four years and eleven months to be exact. But anyway, they were a good four years. I really came out of my shell, partied with some wild people, started drawing. Hey, I actually became a big name in the graphic art world back out west. Pretty cool, huh? You might have even worn one of my t-shirt designs without realizing it. Isn't that trippy? Yeah, I couldn't help but smile. Pretty trippy, man. Hey, look, I gotta bounce, but stay real, okay? I'll try, Todd. I was already imagining the peace sign he was probably throwing at me, despite the darkness. And it was, uh, good to see you again. Good to see you too, man. What was left of the ice cream melted. I jumped a little and I felt a silk cord slide into my hand. If you'll please come with me, sir, we need to get your check and prepare this table for the next customer. It was the blind woman from earlier. Why hadn't I heard the clacking of her heels? Had I been that lost in thought? Following her to the exit, a subtle change had taken place. Despite the strangeness of absolute darkness, the dining sounds and conversations around us now seemed normal. No abominations gnawing on forgotten bones. No vampires sucking their dinner dry. No more conversation with ghosts and demons or the dead. It was a normal restaurant lost in total obscurity. Once back by the well-lit front desk, I began to wonder if sensory deprivation had made me hallucinate the whole thing. Then I got a look at the bill. It was printed on some gimmicky circus font as the facade outside, but instead of a price, I just saw a large fancy number three. What's this? I held up the paper, confused. That's the number of appearances you owe us. Diners who you will entertain here at Lights Out as a payment for your own experience. Some will be others who you'll want to talk to. Others will be those who will want to talk to you. The receptionist smiled. And I'd suggest you put your affairs in order, sir. According to our records... Your first appearance is due to be next Tuesday.
Spring? Is that you? Warmer temps mean new Allbirds styles. Meet the Super Light Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. That means more comfort and less baggage. Try the Super Light Tree Runner with a cushy foam midsole and breathable eucalyptus fiber upper. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. So what can you do in a super light shoe? What can't you do is the better question. And because they're super packable, the real question is, where are you taking them? Experience how Allbirds redefines comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com. Code SUPER24.